I think we can all agree, especially after the last couple of years, that we have a crisis of care. We've all heard the statistics on mental health trends, how it's on the rise. We've seen the effects of COVID and of smartphones and of just the trauma of our own lives and our churches, and it is in our face. My fear is that we are outsourcing our care and our counsel to people who have a skill set but no knowledge of the great physician who heals and the wonderful counselor who restores. We need to increase our ability to care. We need to increase our ability to care, and the first place that starts is with us continuing to play the role of pastoral counselor. And so I'm going to give just a simple definition of what I think a pastoral counselor is. I'm going to give us a couple models that I'll breeze through, maybe some things that you have seen before, but then I want to land with some current learnings that I think hopefully will encourage us forward. So pastoral counseling is the giving of care and wisdom from a biblical worldview. And the first place that starts um, is with the individual, the couple, or the family system. And it's for the good of life. We do this by bringing God's word to bear on people's hearts, their situations, their life in order to produce in them Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And Ephesians 4 gives us a vision that our role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body so that we can attain unity so that we can attain mature manhood, stature, and the fullness of Christ. And it warns us that if we don't give ourselves to this work, that people will be tossed to and fro. The chaos of the world will overwhelm them. It's crafty, it's deceitful, and it schemes. And it will cause great harm. And so I'm going to give us two models that have served me well over the years as just kind of a construct for thinking through pastoral counseling. And so we'll put some images up on the screen, and you can't see the words, but you can see the image, and I'll kind of talk us through. And so this Y sideways Y axis represents just our life. It's the time, and then conversion drops in, and we experience Jesus, and then the upward Line is a trajectory of our growing awareness of God's holiness. And the bottom line represents our growing awareness of our sinfulness. And over the process of life and sanctification, we become more aware of those two things. How many of you, I know for me, is I think I met God as sovereign and as Lord, but I've come to know him as Father. It's so sweet that as I look back over my Christian life, I can see how God has become so increasingly special and meaningful and powerful in my life. At the same time, in the words of Tombstone's Doc Holliday, 
Why, Wyatt, my hypocrisy knows no bounds. And I've become increasingly aware of the depths of sin in my heart. Thank God I haven't become more sinful. I've actually been transforming into the image of Jesus, but I have become more aware that sin went far deeper than I first realized. But as this has happened, my understanding of Jesus and his work on the cross has become larger and larger, and that's what's represented by the growing cross. I thought grace was special when I was five growing up in my Christian home, but now at 42, grace is amazing. And I look forward to seeing how it will only grow in my mind's eye over the next 20 and 30 years, Lord willing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And of course, what I'm saying isn't unique or siloed to pastoral counseling. This is gospel-centered ministry, gospel-centered preaching and discipleship. But if we stay on the platform and don't get down into the mess with the sheep, people will fall into performance and pretense. And so put up that next slide. See, when we perform and we pretend, we will minimize grace. We will minimize the understanding of Jesus' work on the cross for us. We need to increase our care by helping people to understand how they are minimizing grace in their lives through thinking that they can attain God's holiness. They can't. Performance-based life will only lead to moralism and self-righteousness. It won't lead to them actually experiencing the fullness of what God says. As Keller says, we need to teach people not just to repent for the wrong things they do, but all the good things they do with twisted motives. And aren't we the leaders in that? Here's the good news is that we can't attain God's holiness on our own. Bless you. But we can be accredited with Christ's righteousness. We need to help our people understand how their lives need to be increasingly shaped by the gospel. They need to become gospel-centered people. And we increase our care by really making it okay to not be okay. As Michelle talked about, her room, or Ronell, her coffee table. We need to be churches and pastors that create safe places where people actually show up and to not pretend. To actually bring the rawness of who they actually are. To know that they won't be ostracized from the church. And so our work as counselors is to help people understand grace. And if we do this, everything changes. They're given a new identity. They're known as sons and daughters. They will worship and surrender to Jesus, and they will grow in his image. Sin will be put to death, and people will walk in freedom. And the best part is that those who truly mature in grace become agents of grace, who give it to others, and care is increased. And so we need to have churches, and we need to have offices that produce this kind of understanding of grace. The next image will maybe also be familiar to you. 
uh, comes from Timothy Lane and Paul Tripp's book, How People Change, or, yeah, something like that. There's two titles. I always get them confused. But Jeremiah 17, uh, verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. See, Jeremiah gives us a vision of the human heart as deceitful and desperately sick, almost beyond repair. But God searches the heart and brings healing. And to give good pastoral counseling and to increase care, we need to understand the biblical elements of renewal and the process of renewal imaged here for us. And so the elements of renewal are heat, thorns, cross, and the healthy tree or fruit. Heat is the stuff of life. It's the gut punch. It's the stuff that we all deal with, even as I chatted with many of you yesterday just in prayer or around pizza and a beer and just heard about how life is hard and difficult. And what happens is the thorns are our negative response to that heat. It's our heart in its natural state, our human depravity. But the gospel comes and it gives us a new heart. As we receive grace and we receive the truth of the gospel, and that gives us a way forward into fruit, real change, tangible, behavioral, and emotional fruit. And so the process of renewal, I don't know if you can quite see the blue words below, is to know. It's actually enter in and to understand someone's story, to know how heat is coming to bear on their lives. And then to understand the ways in which their brokenness, their natural bent, their heart and how it is twisted will naturally respond to that heat. But instead of giving themselves over to that, we actually speak out the truth of the gospel. We speak out the truth of God's word. And we subvert what thorns and sin will do in their life, and we actually help them apply God's word and the hope of the grace to actually now produce fruit. So those are two models. I'd be happy to talk with you more or to refer you to resources there. But I want to land just with some learnings and growth in this season. As Al said, I'm certified as a spiritual director. I've also been recently certified as um, a gospel uh, life coach, a Christian life coach. And I've been spent the last six months of apprenticing under a lady whose vocational work is healing prayer. And so I've just had a great privilege in the last few years of really trying to skill, skill up and grow in some ways. On top of all that, I spent uh, a little over the last year in weekly or bi-weekly therapy. And it has just been an incredible season for me of um, 
learning and growing. And so I just want to end by giving you five uh, ways in which this is shaping and changing and increasing my pastoral care. The first one is we increase care when we allow Jesus to be the lead counselor. Jesus has the answers. Uh, Just incredible words that I'm learning to say more and more all the time because of my mentor in healing prayer is, let's ask Jesus about that. I'm learning how important it is for me. See, I'm a pastor, like, I love to have the answers. I love to help people. It's not all bad. I'm not just prideful and selfish. I really love to care for people. But I'm learning how much better is the care when instead of me trying to offer up the answer, I take them and I teach them how to pray. And I let them hear the answer for themselves. When instead of giving the answer, I actually ask one more question and allow them uh, to go on the journey of self-discovery and hearing from the Holy Spirit for themselves. As Michelle said, we need to help people to be curious about themselves and to become curious about what Jesus wants to say to them. It's so much more powerful for them to have that spirit-driven insight. The second thing I've been learning is that we increase our care by increasing our skill. I've been doing pastoral counseling in one form or another, honestly, for as long as I can remember. It started when I was a youth, and I just would have friends process their lives with me, and I would try to speak the gospel to them. And yet, in these last couple years, I'm learning just more skills. I'm learning more tools in the toolbox. I'm learning how to ask better questions. I'm learning how to give empathy. And so I just want to say... Would we be humble enough to skill up? Would we be humble enough to learn from these different modalities? And would we also be humble enough, a way that we can increase our skill is to refer out. Can we recognize the limits of our scope and the limits of where we're at and know when we actually need to get help? I do not have all the tools that my wife has. There's tools I have that she maybe doesn't have or doesn't get to press into as fully, but there's things that she has learned through education and she just has things that I don't. Third, we increase our care by increasing our warfare. We're in a spiritual battle. Our people are in spiritual battles. And again, just the the incredible blessing of learning more about healing prayer is I'm just learning that we have to break strongholds. That people can spend years in therapy, but then come get freed in prayer. There's a role for us to play, and so we need to learn about that. And it's not that I just refer people to Michelle or other counselors. Michelle is starting to refer people out of her counseling office to me for healing prayer. Fourth, we increase care by mastering story. As you look up at that uh, infographic with the, the heat and the thorns, We have to get to know people. It's personal and it's relational. Again, we have to climb off the stage and get into the stuff of people's lives. And if we're actually going to speak the gospel in a way that brings freedom, we have to know where injury exists, where immaturity is. 
We have to understand those things to be able to apply it well. Uh, podcasts that I recommend to you, I haven't listened to all of them, but Adam Young, who I believe was a, maybe a pastor or an MDiv student who's now a counselor, he's uh, The Place We Find Ourselves. He's got a three or four part series on just learning uh, to listen to people's story. And a profound idea that he threw out that has just been so impactful for me in this season is that just learning to create space and listen to story is itself healing and redemptive. Empathy is in vogue and it is a word that is very popular right now and I would just say for good reason. It's not something this Nebraska farm kid would naturally go to and yet I am understanding that I need empathy, especially in the places that I feel heat. And so when I can be known fully, um, it creates a safety and and a care. And and we need to give that to people. Isn't that how Jesus is with us? If you're not already convinced of that, please read Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. Last and final, and this is so important, and I encourage you to take this on, is that I am worthy and of need of soul care. I need to receive care. And I would just, in closing, just two groups of people, and I've been both of these, so this comes with all gentleness, but boldness and exhortation, is that some of you feel guilty about caring for yourself. I would say, how can you possibly shepherd the sheep well if you don't find ways of practically receiving care that the shepherd offers you? And so spiritual directors, counselors, just good soul friends, be selfish. Care for yourselves. Jesus wants you to care. And then finally, those of you who don't feel like you need care, come on, we need to stop it now. We need to put that kind of pride to death. Surely we should have learned now as a movement that it's often those who don't seem like they need care that need it the most. And so if you're here saying, I don't think I need counseling right now, I don't think I need spiritual direction, I'd say it might be time for you to be the first one to sign up.